2: This is LMFM's 11 to 1. Sinead Brazel here. Good morning. Hope you're keeping well. You can get in touch. WhatsApp and text lines are open 086-1800-658. Here's Madonna. Madonna kicking us off this Wednesday morning. Papa Don't Preach, Sinead Brazel here with you. How are you getting on this morning? A couple of messages coming in already on 086-1800-658. We will get to them. And I do predict more messages are going to be coming in uh, after I talk about food because that's what happens on this program. We are focusing on food today, which is great. Um one of my favorite topics of all time to talk about. But very different approach because um we're going to be chatting to Denise Wogan. We spoke to her back in July or June. Uh, she is a nutritional therapist from BlackRock Um and we were talking all about intuitive eating. So we're kind of getting a little introduction to intuitive eating, what it's all about and the idea of ditching diets and sort of embracing eating, you know, because we do have all these like unspoken rules around food or sometimes spoken rules, let's be honest, around food. A lot of it to do with guilt, that kind of thing. We're going to really kind of deep dive into some of these principles of intuitive eating with Denise Wogan on the programme. And to get us in the mood for all of this, I'm going to start talking about food on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah, because apparently... The nation's favourite toasty has been revealed. There is nothing like a toasty now, particularly kind of around this time of the year. You know, if you kind of want a bit of a comfort food situation, a toasty, that is the go-to for like a, a nice comforting lunch. Easy to make as well, you know, but apparently the favourite, Ireland's favourite toasty combination has been revealed. Denny, Denny of the ham variety, Denny's ham, they've revealed this and it's all uh, in response to or kind of to kind of promote really their wonderful ad that I watched this morning if you have an overactive tear duct like I do don't watch it because you're just going to be in floods you really will it's so heartwarming it's essentially the, st- the the ad kind of tells the story of a couple arriving back with their new baby and they're meeting the grandparents for the first time and there's all that hustle and bustle and rush around and it kind of focuses in on the granddad. the actor by the way is in the local area he's from Balbriggan. Yeah, there you go. Nice, interesting fact. But if you've seen it, it's on TV or it's starting to be on TV now. And it's just so nice. And he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's kind of fumbling around the place, but it's just so heartwarming and sweet. So this nation's favourite toasty has been revealed. So I'm wondering if you can guess what is the nation's favourite toasty, according to Denny. Uh, now, if it was me in terms of a toasty there has to be cheese involved in this it's just not a toasty without cheese right I do like kind of a spicy chicken with a bit of cheese and like onion or even just cheese onion and tomato I know tomato can be a little bit controversial in a toasty because you burn the mouth off yourself off (laughs) them but I will always kind of throw one in there and I'll be doing that you know when you kind of when you (laughs) you know when you get the toasty and the the tomatoes in your mouth and you're like (sighs) that's me (laughs) but it's worth it it is worth it. Just for that little bit of flavour there. The key is just to kind of let it cool down slightly. They are boiling inside in a toasty tomato. But I will do that. I like to live on the edge, you know. So for me, it has to be the spicy chicken or something like that. Even it, uh, there has to be cheese in there. I can't really cope with white bread, even though I love it. But I it can't cope with the after effects of it. So it kind of has to be a wholemeal variety. And it has to be golden. Sometimes as well, I'll put the butter on the outside you know of the bread before you toast it and you get the sizzle so I'm asking you what do you think is Ireland's favourite toasty according to Denny's 086 1800 658 or just tell me what your favourite toasty variety is we're talking about food we're going to celebrate food today this is all because Denise Wogan is going to teach us all about intuitive eating and how we should be loving eating and not feeling guilty about it and I'm all on board with that I'm going to be chatting to her very very shortly so tell me Toasties. Let's talk Toasties on 11 to 1. What do you think is the f- the favourite, the overall favourite? And also just tell me yours as well. 086-1800-658. You know Rewrite the stars on LMFM's 11 to 1. We're rewriting the Toastie right here on the show because we're talking about the nation's favourite Toastie. Helen says cheese and ham and mustard. Oh no, the mustard... Can be a controversial condiment, I'm going to say. (laughs) Done on top of the aga. From my mother-in-law, Neve Colgan. Amazing. That's a hint now. A hint to the mother-in-law. Maybe she might come over now with the sandwiches. Wouldn't that be nice? See when somebody else makes it as well for you? Lovely. But only if they make it right. There's certain things where you're kind of going, you need to do this right. But Neve Colgan makes them really nicely. According to Helen. Thank you so much. Ham and cheese toast, toast. Sorry, ham and cheese, tomato, onion, and loads of English mustard. Another one with the mustard. I don't know. I don't know. It's a bit too kind of peppery or something. But I'm liking the rest of the of the combination there that's coming in from Graham. Uh, also, uh, hi Sinead, I guess the most popular toast is ham and cheese. Mine would be cheese melting out the sides, tomato and onion and mustard mustard? What's going on? There's a mustard revolution going on. What is going on now? Dolores also loving a bit of mustard. I don't know. I, I'm, I've am i mixed feelings about the mustard. Do you keep them coming in uh, on 086-1800-658. We're talking toasties. Uh, oh, here's David, regular listener to the show. He says, "Um, a toasted... Oh, now hang on now. David, what's going on here? What is going on in your house? He says, Hi Sinead. A toasted egg mayonnaise and lettuce. Lettuce has no business being in a toasted sandwich. Come on now David. Sure to be all withery and everything. How hey, would you would you toast the bread first and then put the thing in? Is that what you're saying to me? I'll tolerate that like do you know what I mean? But the rest of it is just bananas. Crisps on the side. Now interesting that you say crisps on the side David because uh, according to this poll by Denny's they're saying 70% of people chose white bread over brown bread we're a nation of people who are unhealthy. Fifty-seven percent of people always enjoying their toasty with a packet of crisps. You have to have the few crisps on the side. Doesn't really matter the flavour. I do like salt and vinegar flavour myself, but um, yeah, I'm liking that aspect of it. What do we think is the nation's favourite though? It's not egg mayonnaise and lettuce, let me tell you. Oh eight six one eight hundred six five eight. Keep those coming in to me. Eleven to one. M. We are talking Toasties on LMFM's 11 to 1 today. What is the nation's favourite toasty according to a poll that Denny conducted? I will reveal that very shortly. Lots of people are guessing it. You can also just tell me your favourite toasty. 086-1800-658. Hello, I'm Harry. There's Harry Styles, as it was. We are talking about the important topics of the day in this programme, if you've just tuned in. We're talking about what, you know, toasty. we're going to have later on we're also talking about the nation's favourite toasty and you're getting in touch on 086-1800-658 Tarina says Sinead the best cheese toasty is cheddar cheese crispy bacon oh yeah with a mayo slash mustard dip on the side another one for the mustard yeah I like that you've put it on the side because there's something about sort of dipping your toast into a bit of mayo or ketchup sometimes controversially I'm going to go there you know what I mean Uh, my favourite toasty is the cheese toasty has to be oozing out the side, so lots of cheese in it that's coming in from Craig yeah well you see you've got one element of this right but not the other we're asking what do you think the favourite is loads of people getting it I can reveal I mean the clue's in the name really Denny's are behind this so of course it has to be Denny's ham in there uh, so ham and cheese ham and cheese keeping it simple that is the nation's favourite sandwich according to Denny And uh, as I said, 70% of people choose white bread over brown. 57% love the little packet of crisps on the side. A Toasted sandwich maker is the preferred method. uh, Followed by popping it under the grill, frying it on the pan. Now, that's one I've not tried, actually. And finally, finally, just using a regular toaster. You see, it's not the same. You know those little bags, the toaster bags? I'm sorry, they don't, it doesn't work. You need a sandwich maker really, don't you? Or into the George Foreman or something like that. That's what I do. Some people have put them in the air fryer. Yeah, and they look amazing. Haven't tried it myself, but there's another one. If you don't want to be watching it, you know, you just time it and away you go. Uh, the best toasties <laughs> are made by ourselves. You see, 62% people say that they are the only ones making the best toasties, followed by their mum uh, and then dad, granny, aunts and children trailed behind in the toasting <laughs> making steaks. So there you go. And this is uh, treating yourself to a toasty is the number one thing after work as well. So whether you want it for lunch or kind of an afternoon snack or even, it's good any time, isn't it? An L Toasty. But if you haven't seen the um, Denny ad, do check it out. It's so heartwarming. It's really, really lovely. It's going to be on TV at the moment and it's all kind of celebrating grandads and toasties. So there you go. Ham and cheese. It's the top toasty. There's our um, Losing my religion. More messages coming in. Toasted cheese with marmalade from Helen and Trim. Somebody's saying here, I was over in Seamus Ennis Cafe in Null, and they had the best toasties ever. It was roast chicken, stuffing and cheese and white bread. I never had that combination on a toastie, but it was fab, says a Ballard brigand listener. Wowzers. Yes, I'd be all for that now. Uh, Favourite toastie is Denny's Wafer Thin Ham, sliced cheddar and Branston pickles, says somebody else as well. And another with ham and cheese from Wendy coming in as well. So all of this talk... Of toasties and ham and cheese has gotten us very, very hungry. And this is good because we're going to be chatting to Denise Wogan. We met her back in uh, June and she was chatting to us about intuitive eating. So this idea that there's actually 10 different principles of intuitive eating. We're going to try and go through them over the next couple of weeks on the programme. But for most of us, we've spent a lot of our lives unhappy with how our bodies look. We punish ourselves when it comes to eating. We have a very difficult, complex relationship with food. We're hoping to change all of that. Denise is a professional coach. She's a nutritional therapist. She's from BlackRock. She's going to join us to discuss intuitive eating. And if you have any questions, get them in 086 658. 11 to 1. Oh, Let's face it, for most of our adult lives, a lot of us are extremely unhappy with how our bodies look. We try many different diets and slimming methods but we cannot maintain a healthy weight and the cycle of binge eating and dieting continues. But what if I told you you could maintain a healthy weight without a diet? My first guest introduced me to the concept of intuitive eating earlier this summer and I have to say I find the whole area fascinating. As somebody who has a real tendency to binge on sugar when I learned about why that is and what is happening in the body to trigger the craving i began to understand the need to listen to our body's cues when it comes to eating so over the next little while in the show we're going to go through the principles of intuitive eating with the wonderful denise wogan she's a professional health coach nutritional therapist from BlackRock and she's on the line with me now how are you getting on denise I'm good, how are you? I am great, I'm great. Now intuitive eating, this is a fascinating concept to me because, you know, we've heard for so many years diet this, diet that, slimming this, slimming that. So tell me first of all what exactly is intuitive eating just to kind of give us a little refresher on this. Yeah,
1: and and actually it was during my training when I was even learning the science just as you've mentioned there, I found intuitive eating and I went, holy mother, this is just amazing. So really, what intuitive eating is uh, was defined and created by two ladies in the States, Evelyn Triboli and Elsie Resch, they were two dietitians, our two dietitians, and what they found was that people were coming to them to work on weight loss, and that diets and focusing on restriction could help them in the short term, but what they were noticing was it wasn't helping their clients in the longer term. And what they really found was that it wasn't focusing on the health measures and it wasn't focusing on health. So they got to thinking and they designed this framework, which is really centered around three main constructs. Unconditional permission to eat, which I know we've talked about before, means that you can have anything that you want. Eating according to hunger and satiety cues. And that really means listening in to, well, when am I hungry? And then, am I full and am I satisfied when I'm finished? And then, eating for physical rather than emotional reasons. And I know, during COVID, a lot of people got stuck and hung up on this emotional stuff. So... If I was to say in plain language, because I know most of the people out there are listening, going, "What is this about?" Intuitive eating really takes the thinking out of eating, and you're just going to go about eating like you go for a pee. You're just going to do it, and you're not going to waste your energy.
2: Okay, that's like music to so many people's ears (laughs) because I like you. Like it's only when you kind of identify the fact that you know, even when we sit down to eat a breakfast or whatever meal it is. You're so right. There is so much that's going on subconsciously with us. How many calories in this? How much will I eat of this now? Will I have to work this off later on? Um, Should I starve myself for the rest of the day because I have to to eat now? Like all of this is going around and around in our heads. And this is because really we're so trained into diet culture, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like, you know, diet culture, it's a list of shoulds and rules. Yes, And it takes the pleasure out of eating. Even you look to the Japanese cultures, you look to um, maybe studies that are done on the Mediterranean cultures, they really enjoy their food. And we've lost that connection. And diet culture, it's so ingrained in our society. I have to say, there's so many people here who you might not even be aware of it. And, And I wasn't aware of it at the start. But it is that culture where we're focused on appearance and body shape much more than we're focused on the physical, psychological and general well-being. And that's what the ladies, I'll say, and Evelyn do is they bring you back to what are the things that you can be doing to minding that part so that you can feel healthy every single day. So controlling your body, controlling your diet, stopping yourself, your body is going to fight against that every step of the way subconsciously. So biologically and psychologically, you are wired to survive and if you restrict yourself, your body is going to fight against that and that's a really hard place to be.
2: It really is. Now you have a couple of, uh, we're talking about rules and you have a quiz that you ask clients about this. Uh, Tell me about the food rules. So give me me the quiz essentially and let's see if I fail your quiz.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't go through it all because it's not a... (laughs) The thing about this area of intuitive eating is it's not uh, black and white. And that's part of when we talk about all of this, we're bringing our physical and we're bringing our mental, um, bringing the physical and mental into our discussion. So we're connecting your mind and body. So we wouldn't be able to go through it all. But really, like I did mention to you earlier, like how much headspace does eating actually take up for you? And if you're sitting there nodding right now going, Jesus, yeah, I think about food a lot. I do, That's yeah. an idea that food rules are at play. Other things is, are you comparing what you eat to others? So are you going out in a restaurant and you're wondering, I'm going to wait now and see what everyone else ordering and then I'll put in my order. Or even thinking what they might be thinking about what you're eating. Uh, the, the reality is, is that most of us are so selfish we're not really. But we do have that thought going on in our head. Other things like, what do you think about carbs? Should I have so many carbs mm. today?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one because a lot of people uh, around different sort of dieting and I know there's a lot of different noise out there with regards to carbs. Carbs are always kind of seen as evil. But then, you know, you have uh, trainers that will be saying, what are you doing? You need carbs to fuel your body. Well, you know, and you have lots of that going on and it's about maybe portion control then as well. So I have a complex relationship with carbs, I'm going to say. I do try to say have, um, like I wouldn't restrict them completely from my diet, but I would try and reduce the amount, the portions of them because for me personally I feel quite sluggish after too much of them, do you know?
1: Yeah, I suppose part of the process of intuitive eating is so that you can lean into the awareness of what your body finds filling. So that you're not relying on, okay, is it 40 grams of carbs I should have? It's You're beginning to understand, okay, well if I eat one potato and I'm not full, can I have another potato? Because if we don't ourselves up, then our brain is going to be thinking about it. And the moment something goes off, that's when oftentimes, and a lot of women, I get this, they're sitting down and they can't get past one packet or two packets of crisps at night Mm. because they weren't really listening into that hunger. So is there a rule there sitting down at the table that I should only just have one potato, but maybe two potatoes is what I really need? And could I have that? Because let's just remember about the fuel thing. So when you think about carbs and you think about training in the gym, you're just thinking about doing more work. So you're asking your body to do more work. Your brain wants carbs every single day when you get up. And the two things that your brain wants every morning when you wake up is safety and fuel. So the one thing that your brain needs is carbs, and we have so much conversation around carbs that we shouldn't have it. And if you don't feed your body carbs, your body will go, okay, I'm going to take fuel source from someplace else. Oh, yeah. you know where I'm going to take it? I'm going to take it from my muscle because it will take me too much energy to break down the fat.
2: Yes. And this is the problem why we we keep have carrying around the fat and not the muscle. And, you know, this is one of the things that I love around this. And it's something that I definitely have put into practice since the last time we were chatting. Honor your hunger. Honor your health. I love that. So instead of feeling when we are feeling hungry, instead of me kind of going, oh, my God, how am I hungry? I just ate something. I'm like, no, no, hang on a minute. Honour my hunger, why am I hungry? And it might be exactly what you've just said, Denise. I've only had one potato at dinner time. So yeah. in the last little while I've I've noticed, okay, let's increase, you know, the amount that's on the plate at dinner time. And later on that evening, if I am a little bit hungry, oh my God, just have something. It's not, and it's about kind of being really conscious in that moment and kind of going, I'm feeling a bit hunger, hungry, I'm going to honour that. And that's a massive step, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because everybody is different. Everybody needs different amounts of foods. On any given day, you're going to need different amounts of food. At the different time of the month, you're going to need other amounts of food. So by having strict rules and not honouring and listening to that hunger, you'll leave yourself where... Okay, so we've all... Every generation and every century has existed in a world of starvation. So our minds and our cognitive thinking might be ahead in terms of what we know. But sorry to say... Our genetics are stuck in the starvation. So if you are not feeding your body food, then it's going to hold on to everything. It's going to hold on to your fat cells so that it can use that at some point to use it for energy in case there's a famine coming. But that's kind of like when you go back into the history of genetics and all of yeah. that, which is hard. So hunger and health, they're so closely linked. Hunger is primal. It's as normal as breathing. It's what I said earlier. It's about uh, you need to go to the pee and if you ignore that, your body feels uncomfortable. If you don't go to the toilet when you need to go, your body feels uncomfortable. The same thing with hunger. And we try and manage it with rational and logical reasoning. And we get let down because our body fights against us. Yeah. And those mechanisms that when we're not eating enough, will kick in, we'll get higher cravings. We'll not trust ourselves that we're actually full and then we give ourselves a hard time later on when we're overeating. And this is this is what Eve- Evelyn and what so many of us who are practicing in this way see that that overeating can actually be stemming from simply not eating enough and having those restrictive rules in your diet. Okay, so
2: you have some homework for us. This is uh, what we're going to do before the next time that you, you come yeah. back. on. So the first one here is to notice the hunger cues. So, you know, uh, when you yeah. wake up first in the morning, that'll be one. So you're going to make people aware of, okay, take notice of when you're hungry. That's the first one. What's, what's the rest of the list here now that you want us to kind of pay attention to? Yeah.
1: So the hunger, it can be really some of the, one of the hardest principles for people to connect with. And that's because after a time when your brain keeps telling you something, the body just gets tired and it goes, I'm not going to try anymore. So what I want you to do when you're thinking about this hunger piece is really just keep it, keep it simple and notice it notice it and don't expect yourself to do anything just notice and then what you did you were noticing and then you had your own thoughts and you started acting on them so that's part of the piece of building trust but hunger feels so different for everyone so for somebody it might be gurgling or growling in your stomach for somebody else you might start noticing that you're like not able to concentrate uh, you're beginning to get lightheaded. You're having a headache. For somebody else, you might be reaching that hangry stage. Oh, yeah. For somebody else, you might notice like, oh, jeez, there's just no energy to do anything. So it's really subtle, the signs of hunger. So just to remember these, and I'll go through them again. So when you're going through these months, this month, thinking, just remember these few things I'm going to share with you. What's happening in my stomach? Am I growling? Am I gurgling? Or am I feeling an empty sensation? Is my throat gnawing or is it aching? Is my head lightheaded? Am I having a headache? Am I having trouble focusing in my mood? Am I noticing myself a little bit more uh, irritable or am I energy? Am I sleepy or am feeling kind of apathetic to doing things? Then that's you beginning to notice hunger. And it's actually quite a simple thing when you say it like that. But it's more challenging to remind yourself to remember to remember to do this boring little thing of checking in on my hunger.
2: I love that one. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> yeah. one, and and it keeps you on track. Um, I'm I'm running massively out of time here, Denise, but I, I think I think though th- th- to start with, we've come a, we've come on the we've, we've a good starting block with regards to this. If uh, people want to get in touch with the Denise, they can foodie.ie is the best food with double e's at the end. .ie and uh, we also have email and and mo- mobile number that I'll give out as well. But Denise, thank you so so much for joining You're us welcome. with all that information. Thanks a million. Good luck with your hunger for the month. Thank you so much, Denise Wogan. There. So that's our homework for this month. Listen out for when your hunger cues are, what feelings you're having. Note the time that you're feeling them at as well. Uh, it would be good. And we'll have more from Denise next month. If you want to get in touch with her, as I say, foodie.ie and also denise at foodie.ie is her email. I also have her mobile number as well. If anyone wants it, you can get in touch with us here 086 1800 658. 11 to 1. With- we are heading towards 12 news, but very quickly before we do, we will be chatting to author Grace Tierney from St Mullen, and she's back with more word foolery now. Every month she gives us a mystery word on word foolery, and today's one is a tongue twister. It's Lucifugus. Lucifugus. I hope I'm saying that right. So we're asking you, I've got two books up for grabs. I have, where are they gone to? I've got Breaking Point by Del Coffee, and I've got The Last to Disappear by Joe Spain up for grabs. I want you to tell me what do you think the word lucifugus means? L-U-C-I-F-U-G-O-U-S Do not Google it. The funniest explanation for this is going to win the books. I'm thinking if it's to do with our theme, which is around education, it's going to be maybe something like that a teacher might say to you if you were in trouble. That's my guess. But Lucifugus, what do you think? <laughs> lucifugus means all coming up in Word Foolery after 12. 11 to 1 L-M. No Mars Kicking off her second hour Just the way you are Sinead Brazel here with you Till one And today Is Word Foolery Day It is It's time for Word Foolery Wednesday Word Foolery Wednesday On LMFM With Grace Tierney Word Yes, Word fillery Wednesday, and that means we have a mystery word, and our mystery word is an absolute mouthful. Lucifugus is the name, is the word. So L-U-C I F U G O U S. Now, we will know if you Google, okay? We will know this, but every single month when Grace comes on, she gives us a mystery word. We need you to guess the mystery word, okay? What do you think the mystery word might mean? Now, I get—I gather that some of you have already been cheating and looked up Google. <laughs> some of the suggestions that are coming in. I have no idea what it means. All I can think of is that it's definitely something a teacher would say to you if you were bold. Do you know what I mean? Give up that lucificus behaviour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you'd be going, lucificus? What, what's she on about? You know what I mean? Uh, so I have two books up for grabs. The funnier... The explanation for the word "the better." Okay, so we have Joe Spain's, the last to disappear, uh, a luxury winter resort. Three miss, three missing women. One body. Ooh, intriguing. Also, the brilliant Adele coffee. I have another copy of Breaking Point. One mistake could cost her everything. It's a gripping, compulsive page turner. Uh, that's what Marion Keyes says. It's two really kind of thrillery, great twisty turny books up for grabs today. You need to tell me what does lucifugus mean. The funnier the suggestions, the better. We don't want really the right answer. We want the wrong answer. Oh eight six one eight hundred six five eight. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy-efficient home you're proud of. Call 818 7 7 4 4 5. On this day in 1973, Jackson Pollock's painting blue poles sold for $2 million. And today is World Alzheimer's Day. Millions of families struggle with the challenges due to Alzheimer's disease. The world lights up purple on World Alzheimer's Day as well. Uh, so it's really dedicated to raising awareness. Alzheimer's and dementia. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda and Dundalk showrooms. Discover more at SenatorWindows.ie. Keep your suggestions coming in, Lucifugus. You guess what do you think our word means? Lisa saying bringing light or insight. Which could maybe be <laughs> what it is. Uh, you see, I'm kind of thinking it's bad because I'm kind of going, lucifugus kind of sounds like Lucifer. That's where my mind is going with regards to this. What do you think it means? Keep them coming in 086 1800 658. Now, time to che- check in with the world of celebrity. The Buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Hi, I'm Louise and or drops on Disney Plus today. It takes place prior to the events of Rogue One, exploring a new perspective from the Star Wars galaxy. We caught up with Denise Goff, who plays Dedra Miro, and Kyle Soler, who plays Cyril. We asked if they've experienced the fan anticipation yet, and here's what they had to say. It hasn't really come into our like universe, but what we have realised while doing a bunch of these interviews is how much it does mean to the fans, yeah. to people who have grown up with it or people who have found these films, you know, later in life, they they have such a devotion to its legacy and where it's going. Selena Gomez has admitted, "She and her mind don't get along sometimes." The singer has shared a trailer for a new documentary about her life and career. The short teaser has old clips of the star in which she becomes tearful. The documentary is scheduled for release on Apple TV in November. Margot Robbie has opened up about the iconic Barbie photo of her rollerblading with Ryan Gosling as Ken that leaked to the press a couple of months ago. The photo went everywhere, as it was one of the first from the set. Here's what she told Jimmy Fallon. Did you realise it
0: was going to go everywhere, all over the internet? No.
2: Well, I mean, I knew that we had some exteriors to shoot in L.A. I knew, OK, once you're doing exteriors, you're going to get papped. There's probably going to be a little crowd of people who are going to yeah. take notice, because, you know, the fluoro, you know, we stand out a little in those outfits.
1: You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And so I knew there would be a little bit of attention, and probably some photos would get out there, but... It, not, not like it did. It was, it was like mad. That's the buzz. I'm Louise. The buzz on LMFM. Keep up to date with all the latest news and gossip on the LMFM app. Don't be shy in your suggestions for what you might think the word Lucifugus means. We're looking for the wrong answers, right? Just for a bit of crack. We're going to be talking wordfully with Grace very shortly. First, it's time for Prince. Prince partying like it's 1999 <laughs> some messages coming in this is what I like the more ridiculous the better okay we're not looking really for the right answer 86 658 we're talking word foolery with author Grace Tierney after these it's time for Word Foolery Wednesday Word Foolery Wednesday on LMFM with Grace Tierney Word Foolery Wednesday is... yes it is that time of the month again where we delve into the funny, interesting and downright strange origin words, uh, origin stories behind words. And this month, uh, it's back to school. We're going to have an education-themed word foolery and our woman with a way with words. Author Grace Tierney is back on the line.
0: How are you getting on, Grace? I'm absolutely grand I'm still loving that jingle it makes me want to do the whole dance it really
2: does yeah I'm loving it I I do the dance when it's on I do Uh, so (laughs) our mystery word is bamboozling people as always Uh, do keep your suggestions coming in for the word lucifugus I do have two books up for grabs (laughs) Marion in Kells is saying does it mean demonic possession maybe Uh, somebody else is saying lunatic Uh, Tarina has a very unique view on what it could be the word could be Maybe if you get work done, i.e. plastic surgery you become prone to bits falling off very awkward if you're in a restaurant or at the beach, Sister <laughs> Rita uh, Picking your nose, says Joe McWork uh, Nula says, hi Sinead, is it that he's a total dude, like you're a Lucifugus dude? I may, well, yeah, maybe. Um, somebody else saying it's the words in Kenny Rogers' song you picked a fine time to leave me Lucifugus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. These are the suggestions we're looking for. The, ro- the most wrong answer. OK, the better. Keep those coming in. All will be revealed very shortly. But Grace, it is always an education when you're on this show. Uh, ah. But you have been exploring the words uh, behind
0: uh, things associated with school. So our first one on the list is Academy. It is. I I was trying to pick ones for different stages of education because, you know, some people obviously have little children going into early childhood education. And then I've I've just sent somebody off to university. So I was trying to do something oh, a little bit older. Milestone. So. Yeah. Oh, it is. its It is. It's, you're less likely to walk them into their classroom and cry <laughs> when you walk away, though. It's, it's a different uh, a different kind of milestone. But uh, anyway, so I thought I'd do something academic for that reason. Uh, so, academy and academic, all of those words are uh, all basically from one root, uh, which are the Bronze Age Greeks. Mm. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna throw in a few demigods and things into into this one today. But uh, ultimately, it's actually named for a garden, which I quite like because I love my garden. Um, so it starts with a Greek hero called Academos. So. If you misspell that slightly, you get Academy, uh, which would be a big clue. So he was renowned for saving the city of Athens due to yet another disaster caused by Helen of Troy and how pretty she was. And yet again, this is not Helen's fault. The Trojan War was not her fault. (laughs) And this one wasn't her fault either. I think she had a terrible life. I actually feel quite sorry for her. So King Tessius, if anybody really knows their Greek stuff, they might remember his name. He slayed the Minotaur and Crete. He was oh, the yes. one that followed the remember line him. Of thread. Yeah. So at this point, he was the ruler of Athens. He was now aged 50 and was widowed. And he decided to abduct Helen, who at that point was aged 12. So oh, wow. we're not looking too well at that king at this stage. No, um, Her twin demigod brothers were Castor and Pollux. So these are the ones that give us Gemini in the astrological side of things later on. Um, they threatened to destroy Athens completely just to liberate their younger sister. And, I, you know, I'm kind of on their side in this one. However, Academos, our hero from the beginning, he knew where Helen was hidden. And he told the twins they liberated Helen and hence saved the city. Uh, So everybody loved him. Uh, When he died, he was buried in an olive grove on his own land, which had been dedicated to Athena, the goddess of wisdom. So we're getting into the education bit now. So we now fast forward a few years. Academus is gone, but we meet Plato, the uh, philosopher, wise man. He founded his academy in the same Olive Grove in uh, 387 BC. And it was the first ever higher learning institution in the Western world. So it's our very first university, I suppose. Uh, the subjects there included mathematics, philosophy and astronomy. And the students could be male or female, which is quite progressive. Oh, the that time. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of his students was Aristotle. Um, and unlike our universities, it was free to attend. Oh, <laughs> so.
2: listen, we could take a lot from these guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a major shout out uh, for Plato on this one. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, the, uh, the site of the academy was actually rediscovered in the early 1900s, and it's now a free museum. So if you're in Athens, you can actually visit the original academy.
2: That is so cool. So that's where the word Academy comes from. Love it. Now, the dreaded task that is always given for homework by teachers, they love doing it. And on a Friday God. as well, they'll they'll spring yeah. this one on you. It's the essay.
0: I know. How many times did I spend a Sunday evening yeah. writing an essay? Oh, Aww. Lord. Not good. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Um, so, yeah, and the classic is write an essay about what you did on your summer holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> it does have some surprising connections, though, when you look into the word itself. Uh, so connects back to poison and to gold. Ooh. So I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, the word comes into English in the late 1500s uh, directly from French, where it meant to try something and your teachers may have told you that essay something is to try. So it meant to try out your ideas in a short literary composition. And that wasn't always what my essays look like, (laughs) you know, I tried my best. The word had an earlier life, however, in Latin, where it was associated with trying or testing or weighing something. And that's quite easily seen in a related word, assay, rather than essay, starting with an A, um, which is still used around testing the purity, quality, weight of metals, such as gold. So you would assay gold. There's an assay office, that type of thing. Um, And in fact, that came from assaying food and drink to check whether it was poisoned or not before it was offered to the king or queen. So when you're writing your essay, you may not be testing for poison, but you should weigh your words and try out and assess your ideas to make sure they're of sufficient quality.
2: I love it. That is absolutely brilliant. And now, you know, when you write an essay, you won't feel so bad because you're like, there's a really cool story behind it. (laughs) It involves poison and gold. Uh, Now, dunce is a word that I don't like because I just think of some poor sod standing in the corner at the top of the room with a hat on him or something like that. Uh, Tell me about dunce, though, and the origin behind this.
0: I know. It's just cruel. And I'm really glad it's not a thing that's in schools anymore. But I couldn't resist it because it had a good story behind it. Okay, (laughs) Not all my words are cheerful, but they're always interesting. Um, Yeah. So thankfully, we don't do that anymore. And any teachers that did, I bet they didn't know the origins because they actually lie in the world of theology, Mm. which is not where I would have gone for this one. No. So there is a man called John Duns Scotus. Right, so D-U-N-S and then Scotus. And he was born in 1265. So we're going way back. Um, his surname actually comes from combining the name of his village, Duns, and his nationality, Scotus. Scottish, sorry. So he studied at Oxford. He taught at Paris. And after becoming a Franciscan priest, he settled in Cologne. So he's quite well traveled for that era. And he was a very well regarded theologian. However, he was known for liking conical hats. Yes, a bit like the wizard hats in Harry Potter, right? Um, So this is where we get the hats. Um, His theological teachings, which combined elements of Aristotle and St. Augustine, but rejected Aquinas, Somebody better than me can explain those subtleties and became known as Scottism after his name. And his work was influential during the Middle Ages and his followers became known as Dunsmen from his other bit of a surname or Dunses. Dunces. Oh, okay. see, see where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. However, by the 1500s, his ideas had fallen from favor. Theology is a controversial topic, <laughs> and dunces were ridiculed as being resistant to new ideas or unable to understand them. Okay. Yeah. So by the 1600s, schools then had a dunce's table for students <gasps> that were struggling. Yeah, not very nice, really. And the conical hat was basic educational equipment by the 1800s. It was every classroom had one. It lasted apparently up to the 1950s in America. But thankfully, it isn't used any longer. Oh my God! The 1950s it
2: was used for that long. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Means there you go. The dunce's table, horrific. Now Montessori. This is one I've always wondered about uh, because it definitely sounds, you know, something like it. I would have said Italian or French or or something like that. It doesn't
0: sound like an English word. It's not an English word, and you're on the money with Italian. Okay, but I adore this story because it's about a very interesting woman. So you may have younger members starting Montessori this month and if you do, good luck. (laughs) Um, So this comes back to a woman who invented the educational system and she is so inspiring both for her work, her sheer determination and her intelligence. So Maria Montessori decided to get a medical degree despite her father's objections and she was the first woman to do so from the University of Rome back in 1896 so she's a very early female doctor. When she was studying there she wasn't allowed to join her male classmates for anatomy dissections because it was deemed inappropriate. Instead she had to do her cadaver work alone late at night. On her own. I just I can't believe she did that. She was so brave. Yeah. Anyway, she obviously wasn't fazed by that. But her struggles as a female doctor didn't end when she graduated because she would have been forced to stop working upon marriage. She kept her relationship with a fellow doctor and even the birth of her son completely secret so she could pursue her academic work. And that was in the field of early education. She observed how children learn naturally through play and using their senses. And her first class, which was for slum children in Florence, had 50 to 60 pupils aged three to six. And she gave them fun puzzles, everyday tasks and interesting activities within a room with child sized furniture, which is really very much what we still do today in Montessori schools. She refined her methods for the rest of her life, worked with children all around the world of all ages and abilities, and she left a massive legacy to childhood education, for which she gained three Nobel Prize nominations. Wow three. I didn't realise that.
2: Oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: No, I'm a big fan of Maria Montessori. I think she was just a phenomenon. So
2: there you go. That's a fantastic story. And and like you don't be thinking of that when you're dropping the kids off to their own Montessori and then the huge legacy that has started with regards to this. Okay. uh, Somebody saying a very vain person. Uh, We have had everything from demonic possession to parts of our bodies falling off when it comes to this word. Uh, Do tell us though, do tell us what our mystery word lucifugus is. What on earth does this mean?
0: Now, I I did set a hard one. (laughs) I can't give obvious words because everybody's going to know them. Yes, of course. (laughs) I am scurrying through dictionaries and obscure reference books trying to find these. But I I, kind of like some of you are on the right track. You mentioned Lucifer earlier. Yes. And a few people mentioned Light. So you are in the general area. And um, what you may not know is Lucifer's uh, the meaning of the word Lucifer is morning star or light bringer. Because remember, Lucifer was originally an of course, angel. You so keep
2: forgetting that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, kind of his later work. Yeah, <laughs> that's <so> good. <laughs> his, yeah, you know. <laughs> I prefer his early phase, yeah. But uh, so it's yeah, light related. So and demonic possession, you know, it might be enough. And and I think you've been paying attention because the first few letters of Lucifer and Luciferus are the same. Yes. And yes, that is often a clue when you're hunting down a word. It doesn't always hold true, but it does in this case. Um, so, lucifragus is a biological term for animals which avoid light, such as bats and cockroaches. It dates back to the 1600s with roots in Latin, which literally translate as fleeing from light. And I think it's the perfect adjective to describe teenage students those who've been <laughs> up all night studying yeah. or partying because that's how it goes down in my house they yeah. are all luciferous
2: oh i love it so how can we use this now in a sentence when we want to chastise said teenagers
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll leave that to you Shanaid. i reckon you'd be
2: a I'm use chastiser. that chastiser i'm gonna use that one grace as always thank you so so much for such a great interesting and entertaining word foolery we'll chat to you again next month Absolutely. Talk to you then. Thanks a million. Grace Tierney, you can find more about her blog and she has lots of books as well. Wordfoolery.wordpress.com and the latest one that she has is Words the Vikings Gave Us. Everyone that entered into our competition, I will put you all into the hat and we pick a winner for those two books very, very shortly. 11 to 1 with Gilmore's
0: Mercedes-Benz Kings Court. Visit our showrooms or check out our new website gilmores.ie to see the amazing 222 range of Mercedes-Benz cars or our huge selection of used
2: Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Your Mercedes-Benz Kings Court, the best in motoring here for you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. L.M.
0: M-M.
2: <adviser> Miss. LMFM Job Search. With thanks to LMFM Online. Check out the latest Northeast news, sport and entertainment on LMFM.ie Now getting to the job search for today. Murphy Brothers of 4 Hill are looking for full-time shop assistants to work in their busy store. It's an immediate start, but full training is provided. Please apply with your CV to MurphyBros4Kill at gmail.com. The Central Baron Restaurant in Navantown are currently hiring highly motivated, experienced individuals for door security, barista and waitstaff as well. They're also currently hiring experienced waitstaff in their sister restaurant, the Bechtavin Kells. If you're interested in any of these positions, send your CV to debbie at thecentral.ie and an experienced child Minder is needed for two children aged one and two years of age in Minder's own home in North Drogheda areas uh, uh, please do not call, just text only if you're interested to 086 0732 972 and all the details of these jobs can be found in our local job section on lmfm.ie LMFM Job Search There's five Keep Keep on moving I love that one. Always will have me run into the dance floor. Of that one. Speaking of dance floors, on Friday, we will have our Friday floor filler song, but it's a little different this week because you see, every week, Fionn in production really does help me out with the Friday floor filler song. So, really, it's his. Friday floor filler song. So, we're going to be calling it Fionn's Friday floor filler song. I mean, because I need more F's in that sentence. So, Fionn and myself have done a little video for our social media, giving you guys clues in advance for this week's Friday's floor filler. Oh God, I'm going to regret this, uh, but it's going to be up there in the next day or two, uh, so you'll be able to kind of get a sneak peek of our Friday floor filler song before Friday. Okay, uh, so keep an eye out on LMFM's Instagram, particularly, and you'll get a little clip of myself and Fiona doing no, not a dance, you know. But uh, yeah, we we're, we're there in the video. Asking you to, you know, guess the Friday Floor Filler song this week. So that will be coming your way on Friday. Back to today. Going to take a quick break. We're back with music from Picture House, And I also have a winner of our books. 11 to 1. Congratulations to Tarina Corrigan. You are getting our books. So I'm sending you Adele Coffey's Breaking Point. Uh, That's a real thriller. One and also, this is a kind of in the same vein. So, if you like a crime kind of thriller one, Joe Spain, The Last to Disappear. We're sending you both of those books for your wonderful description for the word Thank you so much to everybody who entered Speaking of competitions uh, we are having our big Best of Louth and Mead competitions awards tonight uh, and I'm very much looking forward to meeting all of the local businesses that are you know, nominated in the different categories We were just really blown away by the amount of nominations and entries that came in for this Everything from the best breakfast roll to best barber beauty salon best coffee best pub all of that and our I think it's just wonderful to see that the local business community is so, so well supported here. So we're going to get a little bit glammed up tonight and have a bit of crack and give out uh, some lovely awards at the Best of Lay the Mead Awards. So best of luck to all of the local businesses who are nominated in that. And um, yeah, it should be a good night, guaranteed. And I have to say a big thank you to Board Gosh Energy. And also to localheroes.ie who supported this. Thank you so much to them. Now, uh, that is our lot on the show for today. Thank you, as always, for your company. I'd say half of the Northeast is going off to, to make ham and cheese toasty sandwiches after our chat this morning. Enjoy them if you are. I'll leave you at Picture House. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 087 660 4237.